Good morning. It's Iowemala, and it's Sunday, August 23rd. And we're having a really hot summer day, and I think it's a lot hotter in a lot of other places, so no complaints here. It's sunny, and that's wonderful. Um, today I'm going to read something from, this is a book we're going to be using for the book group, I promise. It's getting started soon. It's Pema Children's book. I know it's backwards for you, sorry. Welcoming the Unwelcome. So you can feel comfortable if you can get a copy of the book or um, we'll be, we'll, we can, this, we will spread it over. Maybe, I think this is not gonna be a long book to have to finish, so maybe we'll take a chapter a week. So, Today I'm going to read something from chapter 13, and it's called Cool Emptiness. I just opened the book this morning because I thought, oh, I'll see where it takes me. And uh, I, that title appealed to me because when we talk about, uh, we're in, in Buddhism we often talk about cooling, becoming more dispassionate. And not in a bad way, not becoming flat and like a zombie, but cooling those hot emotions. And when we cool them, we're able to uh, not let them be so much in control of us. We can work with them and we can learn how to watch them arise. And if, they are, if they're hot emotions, we can learn to work with them before we, you know, before they explode like a volcano. And uh, I think it's very appropriate for this time we're in, 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 uh, in, in the country and in the world. We know that it's, this is true for the whole world. Um, we're fighting this virus and we're fighting different attitudes and different, uh, making it, politicizing it, and we're just fighting with ourselves about what's right, what's safe, what we, what we feel most comfortable doing and trying to stick with our guns about our, our feelings about safety and concern and being, being clear with our fa for our families and our community and, and uh, missing, missing things the way they were and knowing that it's not gonna go back to that anytime soon, if ever, and trying to deal with all of that. So working to cool down our emotions and uh, I, I think is a good thing to do. So I'm going to read, it's a very short chapter, but I'd like to read that today. But let's start with my wish, because that's always a good start for us. May I become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for those with an ocean to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those without light, a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant to all in need. By means of this meritorious deed, may I never join with the unwise, only the wise, until the time I attain Nibbana. Hope you all have it memorized by now. I think I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> That's a given. <laughs> so this is uh, chapter 13, Cool Emptiness, and I'm skipping some of it, but um, 
I've been reading a lot lately about the seven factors of enlightenment. And I love the image that the Buddha presents. They're all beautiful. They're all beautiful pieces of this puzzle we're always trying to put together about what's most important. What should I be? What do I need to focus on? I mean, we kind of frustrate ourselves with that, right? Well, the seven factors for enlightenment are are beautiful reminder, and it's beautiful because every one of the factors is universal. And the, the way the Buddha talks about them is it's, it's like the roof of a building, a building that comes to a point. And uh, he talks about all the rafters at the top of the building all lean towards that point. And so they're all, everything about that building has to begin to lean towards the center where the roof will peak. And he talks about the seven factors of enlightenment as being those, all those things coming together. It's a gradual, this gradual path. It, it all comes together and gradually meets at that top most point. And they're, so they're leaning together, helping each other, working together to get to that beautiful top of the, very top of the roof. And I like to think of these factors as that. So uh, one of the factors is investigation. And you know, when we work with RAIN, recognize, accept, investigate, and then come back, go return to neutrality. We can work with issues and problems and the hindrances with that, uh, with that process of RAIN. That investigation is, is that very important part that's one of the one of the uh, factors of enlightenment it's we need that willingness and that curiosity to investigate and this chapter in the book talks about that so i think that's one thing that drew me to it she begins with this quote when we stop seeking the familiarity of samsara that's that that's that endless wandering we do uh, from life to life, from moment to moment in a day even. When we stop seeking the familiarity of samsara, when we stop fighting the groundlessness of freedom from imputed meaning, emptiness becomes an experience of awe, of the infinite, of limitless space. Once we begin to see emptiness as an experience to cultivate rather than avoid, we can take advantage of the many opportunities that arise in our lives to learn more about it. These don't have to be sudden shocks where the bottom falls out and we end up in free fall. Sometimes we can connect to emptiness through less dramatic but equally unwanted emotions and states of mind. Boredom, loneliness, insecurity, uncertainty, anxiety, fear, and even depression are all potential starting points for learning how to go beyond our bubble of imputed meanings and experience things just as they are. Doesn't that sound like she wrote it yesterday or a month ago? This is just perfect. We're all feeling a mixture of and maybe sometimes every one of these feelings during this pandemic depending on the news of the day or how we wake up and how we feel first thing in the morning or 
So, sounds right, doesn't it? Boredom is an experience, it seems, so she's going to go through some of these experiences that we're all feeling, one or the other. Boredom is an experience that seems to have nothing to offer, but it can serve as an excellent doorway to emptiness. Trungpa Rinpoche liked to distinguish between two types of boredom, hot and cold. Hot boredom is more familiar to us. You're struggling against the experience. Sometimes it comes with a storyline, such as, I can't believe this is how I'm spending my precious time. Other times the story isn't so prominent. Either way, you consider the experience bad and just want to reject it. The bottom line is you want to get out of there. My apologies. Either way, you consider the experience, this is a boredom, whether it's hot or cool, bad, and just want to reject reject it. The bottom line is you want to get out of there. Cool boredom, on the other hand, starts out as basically the same experience, but instead of fighting it or running away, you allow yourself to relax with it. You open with it and even welcome it. In other words, it's fine. If we learn how to work with our boredom in this non-rejecting way, we can translate that knowledge to be able to work with groundlessness. If we get the hang of experiencing boredom without struggle, learning how to relax with it and let our mind open up to appreciate its quality of spaciousness, then we can apply that skill to work with emptiness. With both run-of-the-mill hot boredom and the intensity of life as you know it ends, there is a similar tendency to try to block or avoid our experience by getting some kind of ground under our feet. By training in cool boredom, we train in accepting things as they are. This helps us wean ourselves from the habit of closing down into our soothing world of familiar, imputed meaning. Working with loneliness is similar. When people people talk about feeling lonely, they're generally talking about hot loneliness. You feel restless. You want to find something, someone to talk to or be with. You feel like something's wrong. The struggle continues until you solve the problem from the outside. Cool loneliness, on the other hand, starts out in the same way, but you're able to let go of the restlessness and the struggle. With cool loneliness, you become relaxed and can enjoy the present moment. I know a lot of people are working with loneliness. With cool loneliness, you become relaxed and can enjoy the present moment. There's not the same gloomy storyline. Because you're open to the experience, you you sense its fleeting nature, so you don't feel so stuck. Insecurity, uncertainty, fear, and most other unwanted emotions each have their hot version and their cool version. Because we're much more used to the hot version, we consider these emotions highly unpleasant, things to avoid. But 
This very struggle to avoid is what keeps them hot. In the cool versions, we feel more peaceful and awake. Instead of a struggle to get ground under our feet, there's a willingness, even a joyfulness, to be with things just as they are. Even depression, which is something most of us fear, can be an excellent training ground for learning how to connect with the open, spacious quality of emptiness. One of the common effects of depression is that things lose their former meaning. That nice cup of tea just doesn't do it for you anymore. Getting that presentation for work to the next level doesn't have the overwhelming significance it used to have. You are in a groundless space where many of your reference points have vanished. The first time in my life as I the first time my life as I knew it ended on that long ago day in New Mexico, it's when her husband just came home and said he wanted to divorce. He had fallen in love with someone else and he packed up and left. I entered a period of deep depression. I can remember sitting on a couch for a whole day, almost catatonic. Even when I felt hunger pains, they didn't have their former imputed meaning. I knew that sensation was supposed to meet, I mean I should eat something, but I was too depressed to get up. The experience catapulted me into a whole new place in my life. For a long time, the main way I dealt with that unfamiliar, groundless feeling was by kicking and screaming, but eventually I was able to shift my view a little. Though the sensation of depression stayed the same, I was able to gain some distance from it. Then at some point, I was able to learn what the experience had to teach me. Painful experiences, including depression, have something very rich in them to offer us. When we start to feel intimations of meaningless, as almost all of us do, we have a chance to shift our view. When the depression is somewhat mild, before it fully gets its claws in you and turns into an incapacitating state of mind. You can think of the discomfort you're going through as hot depression. And from that perspective, you can at least entertain the idea that it's possible to experience cool depression. It seems odd to call depression hot because it doesn't feel very juicy or hot at all. But the basic feeling is, I want this to go away, or this is something horrible. So instead of following that habitual reaction, we could think, maybe I could experience this depression from a cool perspective, or at least be curious about the possibility of really tasting this groundlessness. If we do this without pushing ourselves too hard, if we are gentle and warm toward ourselves in the process, then maybe we can experience depression as a doorway to the wisdom of emptiness. We could experiment with staying with the unwelcome feeling for tiny bites. Even if they last only two and a half seconds, each of those bites will help us get to know emptiness a little better until emptiness becomes less frightening to us. 
and all of us know, be very careful with depression. I mean, she's talking about seconds of staying with it. I don't want anybody to feel pushed um, not to not to work with their depression in the way that has been they found to be uh, mentally most healthy. Gradually, our relationship with emptiness will go from hot to cool, and we will discover how much enjoyment and freedom is to be found in the wide open state that exists outside of our habitual bubble. When we stop seeking the familiarity of samsara, when we stop fighting the groundlessness of freedom from imputed meaning, emptiness becomes an experience of awe, of the infinite, of limitless space. However, even if we do find ourselves attracted to or curious about emptiness, we can't simply will ourselves to live without imputed meaning. We can't just say, oh, I'm going to see the view out my window without imputed meaning. It's impossible because we're so locked into how we habitually see things. This habit goes deeper than we know. But when boredom, loneliness, depression, and other unwanted feelings arise, we can use them to help wean ourselves from imputed meanings. Every time we turn in the direction of inquiry and exploration, as opposed to struggle and running away, we are dismantling the whole way we impute meanings onto things. If we do this long enough, our bubble of ego will naturally wear thin without any extra effort on our part. The true nature of how things are will become more and more available to us. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have to put in extra effort and kind of knock ourselves out all the time to try to, you know, be doing things perfectly or the way we envision we have to be to be perfect. And of course, perfect is how we have to be. When we talk about imputed meaning, that's that kind of built-in meaning. Like I can look out on my patio and I can say, uh, you know, I can, if I remember their names, I could call the birds by their correct name. Are they finches? Are they uh, blue jays? Are they, you know, I could start just labeling all these creatures. Um, so that's part of imputed meaning. And then I could add other layers to that. To that. Like I could, I could talk about these animals like they're little people or that they're thinking or that they, you know, they love me because I'm feeding them. Um, so even the things that give us joy, we have lots of, we, we put imputed meaning into it. So we, we know that we, we have gotten accustomed in our country before the pandemic, we could do what we wanted to. We were all like, uh, uh, who's the little guy on South Park? Cart Cartman. I can do what I want. And that's how we felt as Americans. That was my favorite character in the line out of that show. Because he, he, he knew he had all the power. He could do whatever he wanted to do. And I think as Americans, we pretty much felt that way. And now we really can't. And we're all, people are all struggling with it at their own, you know, at their own level. So 
if we if we are refusing to give up that meaning we put to everything, we do it to everything. So uh, we 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 give meaning to things, and it that keeps us grounded. But it also doesn't allow us to free ourselves from samsara, so this endless round of birth and death. It, and we see that whether we believe in rebirth or not, we see it in the course of one day. We over and over again, you know, our minds change, our opinions, our thoughts change. We're just pulled around a lot of the time. But that imputed meaning we give to things is what, what holds us here. And what we want to do, it's like that closed fist. We want to keep opening it up. We don't want to keep that that fist closed tight, like this is how things are supposed to be. This is how they've always been. This is how I want them to stay. And then we get really angry because we're all bottled up and tightened. Uh, so that, that keeps us from being able so that, that uh, one of those rafters that's leaning towards the center and the enlightenment factors is investigation. And that's what she's talking about, to be able to explore these states of mind and these, uh, these conditions that we're all going through and have over the course of the pandemic. Uh, you know, we can get tired of it. I mean, I've been really, it's been really, uh, the majority of it, almost all of it, has been very comforting to me, just in my own little bubble. But I know these factors of loneliness and isolation and depression and uh, anxiety and worry. I know this is, we're all experiencing this. My dentist last week, my checkup was fine, but she reminded me, she said, a lot of my patients are grinding their teeth at night, so be sure you're wearing your mouth guard. Because I had had trouble with that back a year or so ago. And uh, she said, I wear mine all the time. And I'm, and I'm telling my patients, don't forget, because it's causing a lot of dental problems for people. So I'm back wearing mine. I think I'm doing great, but I'm thinking, I don't know what's going on You know, at a deeper level. I know there are a lot of things that are making me... Um, sad and frustrated and uh, and it, it the and the political situation is very disturbing and people who've lost their freedoms in this country you know all of that stuff whether i'm comfortable being here in my little place or not is becomes irrelevant sometimes because the world is isn't isn't a kind of chaos we haven't seen so that willingness for us to keep exploring, don't don't run away from these feelings, and um, let yourself, even if it's something that's really difficult for you, these little bites that she talks about, um, we are we are dismantling the whole way we impute meaning onto things. If we can do this long enough, our bubble of ego will naturally wear thin. Isn't, I love that. Without any extra effort on our part, that's another plus. The true nature of how things are will become more and more available to us. Which is another enlightenment factor, study, studying the deep dhamma. And the deep dhamma is for us to see clearly the nature, the physical nature of things. And so this one little chapter talks about you know, pretty much all of those. 
being mindful and being mindful is one of that's one of those factors and being mindful is uh, another way the buddha talked about it was being heedful at all times being heedful and that's the last thing he told his students as he was dying was be diligent be heedful all the time keep moving keep moving in that direction and being heedful is just paying attention to everything and trying to see the deep nature of it and if we live in harmony with that deep nature then we're fine we're doing we're doing exactly what we need to do so we can slow down and use this time to keep looking at that and it can help us understand why there's chaos in the world why economies are uh, why why people are fearful of the economies falling apart and why you know why all this is uh, what this is doing to everyone and how it's affecting the way people react and act and their behavior so we can begin to be see the more space spacious viewpoint but that's where we our work begins to just observe it and to be to be watching it paying attention to it and i don't know i keep finding this book is a treasure and it just dovetails it dovetails just like those rafters all the way to the to the tip of the roof all the way it takes us all the way through and all of these qualities i think are universal for people of any faith any spiritual path it's what we're all looking for is a way to understand this life to understand ourselves and this world this life better and better and to be and to be a good human being and to walk on this earth not doing any harm but only doing being kind and doing good then we're we're safe no matter what so it's time to end i have a, a sutta study with bhante badia on zoom is starting in 5 minutes and uh i have to walk over to the other side of my room and sit at the computer and go join them so let's read my wish again because it's it's all the same message isn't it how we live our good human life may i become at all times both now and forever a protector for those without protection a guide for those who have lost their way a ship for those with an ocean to cross a sanctuary for those in danger a lamp for those without light a place of refuge for those who lack shelter and a servant to all in need by means of this meritorious wish may i never join with the unwise only the wise until the time i attain nibbana so thank you so much for being part of my practice and i will see you tuesday okay have a beautiful day and find joy and happiness <laughs>